running up the score. Run it up, 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 run it up. I just think of that money, I run it up. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, running up the score, here we go. I'm Jerry Napoleonello, and does it get any better of a week for the Dallas Cowboys? And us fans, basically. You had one of the worst weeks that you could possibly have as a franchise, as a fan base. You know, you you go up against a team that, you know, a lot of people called it a measure stick game, which I agree. You know, that's the team that you're most likely going to have to go through to get to where you want to be. And they got absolutely clobbered in that game. So, going into this week, you know, obviously everybody heard. Everybody was talking about it. Cowboys are not that. You know, this and that. You know, it. people love when the Cowboys lose. But people love when the Cowboys lose a big game and lose like that. So the fact that coming into this week, and I, and I said it on TikTok that I, you know I don't want to call a week six game a must win or a can't lose, but this game was a must win and a can't lose because of just you know and I said it in the video it's it has nothing to do with the standings you know it's week six. If they were to lose that game, they're going into the bye three and three. They still have two more games against the Eagles. They still have two more games against Washington. One game against the Giants. You know, it's all there in front of them. But this game, if they were to lose this game, just the the mental capacity of, you know, just defeat. Really, that that's what it came down to. Because it was such a bad loss last week that you're going up against a team that you compared yourself to and it didn't go well. And not only did that not go well, but it hasn't gone well against the 49ers. This is three consecutive games that you lost to the 49ers. So some may say it's not even a rivalry because a rivalry means that you have to kind of go back and forth. And right now it's really, really 49ers side, nothing to do with the Cowboys. But as I said, it was a must win. The Cowboys did what they had to do to to add to a already great weekend. And I'll get into the other two games later on. But let's get into the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was the reason the Dallas Cowboys won Monday night. The reason I say that, Dak Prescott played one of the better games that I've seen him play in a while. And definitely the best game we saw of him this year. The fact that, you know, you come off of a loss like that and you come back and play like that 
I commend him. He had really no help from Mike McCarthy. He had no help from any of the running backs. Dak Prescott did it with his legs. He did it with his arm. This is this is where, when it comes down to the the Cowboys, it's their downfall. I want to say this year is they're thinking too much. And what I mean by that is that they they want to be a certain offense, and they're trying too hard to get to that point. They're trying too hard to let the dink and dunk work. But right now, when it comes to the run game, and just, I mean, you not having a run game is making it easier to defend the pass. Therefore, making it even easier to defend the the run. What I saw from Dak last night was someone that wasn't thinking. That someone went out there and used his natural talent to win a ball game. That's what we saw from Dak. Because, I mean, when was the last time that you saw Dak run like that? Probably before the the leg break. And that's why Dak Prescott was the reason the Cowboys won last night. He went out, got the ball to CD. We started to see Brandon Cooks more in this game, more towards the end of the game. We didn't really see him, you know, in the first half. But my issues with this offense come down to the running back and it comes down to the tight end. And the reason why I say the tight end, so the last three years or so, even actually, I mean, we're going back to, you know, Jason Witten. The Cowboys always use their tight end. I mean, look at Dalton Schultz. Look what he did. Now, I'm not saying that the Cowboys should have signed Dalton Schultz because I didn't think they should have. And I said that going into the offseason. I didn't want to pay him what he got paid from the Texans. Because, you know, he's good, but he's not, you know, fantastic. But the Cowboys used him. And I think it got to a point where Dak trusted him so much because he was in every play. He was a safety blanket. This year, I don't know if it's the plays aren't designed to get the ball to the tight end or... Dak doesn't trust the tight ends that he has. That's concerning because you would want to use the the tight end more, especially if you're trying to do a, you know, dink and dunk up the field kind of offense because that's when you're using your tight end. Do a little curl route, and, you know, four or five yards up. And Dak missed a, a streak route to, to Jake Ferguson later in the game. And again, you know, obviously everybody's trying to be, you know, a couch quarterback. But I think it also comes down to not trusting Jake Ferguson. And not that I don't, I don't think he has a reason not to trust him. But at this point, he he's so focused on not making a mistake and maybe not being so comfortable in this offense yet that 
he didn't want to make that throw, and he used his legs. It's not here nor there. The Cowboys got the win. Dak Prescott was the best quarterback on the field, and this is the second time in three years that Dak Prescott was the best quarterback on the field with Justin Herbert being on the other sideline. And I, and I'm not going to say that that Justin Herbert's overrated because I think he has all the talent in the world. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But going up against each other, Dak has gotten the best of them twice. And I think last night shows you that Mike McCarthy has to start trusting Dak Prescott's legs, and I think Dak Prescott has to start trusting his own legs. The Cowboys are 21-4 and four when Dak Prescott has a rushing touchdown. And that, that power read in the beginning of the game worked to perfection for Dak Prescott. The, the flags were a, a big issue last night. And I'll get to that in a second. But I want to go over to the other sideline. And what you saw last night from the Los Angeles Chargers, and I said it in the video heading into that game, the Cowboys want to make Kellen Moore one-dimensional. And last night, they did that. And when was the best we saw Kellen Moore last night? The scripted plays to move down the field and score a touchdown. That was the best that we saw Kellen Moore that whole night, that first drive. After that, not even close. And this was the issue with the Cowboys the last Three years with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Three, four years, actually. You know, you get the best out of him in the scripted plays. And that's like the first 15 plays of the game. After that, if something's not working, he goes away from it. Cowboys made them one-dimensional. Austin Eckler was basically nobody last night. So, this is the reason why the Dallas Cowboys got rid of Kellen Moore. You know, and for people that are like, oh, well, Kellen Moore, you know, had the best red zone offense when when he was with the Cowboys. He also had Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had, what, 15, 12 or 15 touchdowns last year? Last year? So, it's, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to this, and... People just look at the stats. And that's not the way you can go about doing this. Because, I mean, perfect example. And I saw a tweet last night. Demarcus Lawrence was dominant for the Dallas Cowboys. And I I answered it. And I said, Demarcus Lawrence is always dominant for the Dallas Cowboys. Between his rush defense, he gets pressure on the quarterback, may not get the sacks, but the guy's smart as hell. He's one of the smartest defenders that the Cowboys have on their team. 
And Demarcus Lawrence is always around the ball. But people are so used to looking at stats and say, oh, well, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't have a sack. He sucks. It doesn't work like that. DeMarcus Lawrence was dominant last night. The pass rush was dominant last night. Again, not really lighting up the the stat sheet with the sacks. But when you look back at it, their presser percentage was very high. They pressured Justin Herbert. They did what they had to do to get in the back of the head of Justin Herbert, and that led to the last interception to end the game in terms of the flags and stuff like that, you know, I've I've always, or I have been, a Mike McCarthy apologist. Because I think Mike McCarthy's actually a good coach. But he's making it so hard. He really is making it so hard to do that. Because, I mean, going into the half, what are we doing? Mike, the, the the tight end, the the timeouts. They don't go over to the second half. You had two timeouts, and you're in the red zone. Now, is it, you know, is it to the point where the the Cowboys have the yips, in, the red zone, where they're so afraid to get into the red zone that, you know, he like he he was so focused on scoring points. Is it his distrust in Dak? Is it his distrust in, you know, possibly a turnover? Or is it his, basically the yips when it comes to the red zone? It's really not that hard. Especially when you're you're goal to go. And the, the... The Chargers showed that last night. Play action. I, I mean, how much how much football do these guys need to see that play action works on the red zone in the red zone and on the goal line so goddamn much? I mean, play action. Throw it out to the flat to the fullback. Throw it out to the flat to the tight end. Play action. Have the tight end over the middle. I mean, it's it's not that hard. And right now, what's happening is they're having so much trouble running the ball. I mean, anywhere on the field, but especially in the red zone because they don't have that power back. That it's getting so much easier to defend the pass on the goal line. But in terms of the flags, I mean, I think a lot had to do with, uh, you know, the Cowboys and the Chargers both being undisciplined. But also, the the refs were really calling it tight. And during the game as well, I saw Michael Fabiano tweet, and he, quote, anyone thinking this game is kind of embarrassing for the, the NFL. And I had to agree with him because – it was almost like every play was a flag. I mean, I think there was 19 flags in that game last night. And, like, some of them are egregious, and I understand that. you you have There's calls that you have to call. But then there's some that it's like, 
all right, it was borderline or it was just really bad, you know, swallow the whistle. I mean, come on. And, you know, go, moving forward, I'm going to start bringing up the, the ref stats when I'm doing the picks on Friday. Actually, I did pretty well this week, by the way. Not, you know, not going to pat myself on the back, but I did pretty well in the picks. But, I mean... It was uh, it was kind of embarrassing in terms of the refs. Really, really was. I will say, being you know, seeing what I saw from Michael Gallup last night, I I sit back and I, I just wonder what the Cowboys were thinking, letting Amari Cooper go for a late round pick, and keeping Michael Gallup. It just, it, it boggles my mind. It really does boggle my mind. But it's not here nor there. They have, you know, they have Michael Gallup and the Browns have Amari Cooper and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, we go to the Sunday night game. Sunday night um, was a snooze fest, I want to say. Uh, you know, Buffalo Bills offense didn't play well at all. Josh Allen didn't play well. The refs made uh, made themselves be known, I guess. You know, in terms of the Giants. Now, I've been saying this, and I even said it in the offseason, that making the playoffs last year, was the worst possible thing that could happen for the Giants, for Shane, and for Brian Dable. It made it seem like they were closer than they actually are. This is a team that pride themselves last year on being physical, on being mentally strong, on winning games that were gritty, you know, that was Brian Dable. And this year, they're losing the games that they would have won last year. And going going into this season, you know, you signed Daniel Jones. You signed Saquon. You end up trading pennies, basically, for Darren Waller. You you go get Okereke. You know, this team, like, felt... Like they were better than they actually are, and I mean they did get better. Let me don't get me wrong. Personnel wise, they got better, but I don't think that they were. I don't think their team actually was their record last year. I think it basically came down to they won games that they shouldn't have. And it made it, it kind of inflated them a little bit. And this year, they're back down to reality. And the offensive line is an issue. The injuries are an issue. You know, Daniel Jones is an issue. Brian Dable's an issue. You know, you you go at half, okay? Now, it was interesting because I saw, I was watching Get Up with... Uh, with Mike Greenberg and, you know, those guys, and they had Rex Ryan on. 
Rex Ryan coached Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo at one point. And he said that Tyrod Taylor is the type of quarterback that will do anything you say for him to do. So, I mean, you can call him a robot, basically. He's a decent quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's a decent backup quarterback. But what he kind of meant by that is if you, you know, going into probably practicing and, and watching tape, they saw the way that the, the Giants would set up in, or the, the, the Bills would set up in certain play, you know, basically certain plays. And what they probably told Tyrod was, if you see this, audible it to a run. Now, when you make that call, okay, you have no timeouts left. You don't have enough time to run the ball and get the kicking team out and kick a field goal. So, why in God's name would you call into the ear of Tyrod Taylor and say that you have an option to run. Why? And I understand, yes, he's a veteran veteran quarterback, should have knew better. But as Rex Ryan said, he's kind of a, he's kind of a robot. So at that point, why even give him that shot? Why we why even give him that chance? Call the play, and that's it. Don't give him that choice to to change it to a run. So in terms of that, Brian Dable is very, very surprising this year. Because it's like he doesn't have that team ready to be what they were last year. They felt ready in every game last year. Now, in terms of the last call, or the last no call, I should say, the Giants already got the shot. They already got the extra shot. They weren't going to give them another one. They got the holding call. The the previous play gave them that extra play. There was no way that they were going to call back-to-back calls like that at the end of the game. So in terms of that, I mean, if you really look at it, okay? Now, I, I've looked at the play. I've looked at the way that the, the Bills set up and the way that the Giants set up. And the fact that the Bills didn't, I mean, it would have been a perfect, or the, the Giants, it would have been a perfect, like, play-action bootleg. And Tyrod Taylor might have even been able to just walk in. But even at that point, like, have Darren Waller just kind of do an out to the way that, that Tyrod Taylor is rolling. It, I mean, there were so many things, but they even had a shot at the play that they, they ran. But at that point, don't rely on the ref making a call. And that's what they did. And the, the, the Giants lost, and the Bills won a game that they probably should have lost, or they should have lost, really, not probably. Now, one of the, uh, the 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 games that I had a smile on for the whole time, the uh, the 49ers losing the game to the Browns. 
Brock Purdy looked regular. <laughs> he looked regular without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. And, I mean, in terms of the, the weather, he, he let the weather get in the way. The Just the throws, you know, you weren't used to seeing Brock Purdy miss those kind of throws. Like the one on the pick, he was so far behind on it. And it got to a point where he looked rattled. And it's gotten to the point where the 49ers and Brock Purdy, since Brock Purdy took over, he hasn't had that, you know, that time where, all right, things aren't working. Things aren't working for us. You know, you have to do something. And this is what we've been waiting for. Now, I know it's only been really a one half that we've seen it, but we saw it. And I, honestly, I, I don't really even want to hear about, you know, the fact that he put them in a position to kick a field goal. Because A, it shouldn't have got down to that point. But B, I mean, he had maybe, what, 50 yards on that last drive? 35 of them or so came off of a a little, like, 8-yard zig to Brandon Ayuk. And he, with horrible tackling or attempts to tackle, the Browns let him basically run into field goal range. So I I, I don't, I, I know it's part of the game, but I don't put that on Brock Purdy that he drove him down the field. One play got them in position. So this is what I've been waiting for. I don't think we're really going to see Purdy without Debo or Christian McCaffrey moving forward. But now we'll get to see him after a loss. Let's see you know, what we're going to get out of him. Because this is his first loss. That he finished, at least. And that, that uh, NFC Championship game would have been a perfect example of you know, what we would have saw out of him going uh, going up against, you know, such a, a good pass rush that the Eagles were last year. But the Browns' defense is really unbelievable. They've given up the least amount of yards through five games since, like, 1970, 1971. The, the more concerning thing for the 49ers is just that they lost to a P.J. Walker-led offense that going into that game they haven't been great. Like, the Browns haven't been great. Their defense is good. Their defense is great, really. But their offense has been so bad that they've still been losing games. I mean, if you look at some of the games that they lost, it's kind of concerning that you lost to that team. And this is, like, this is a perfect example that, like, anything can happen in the NFL, and it doesn't mean that this team is better than this team or that team is better than that team. You know, and this is this is what I, when I laugh, because the Cowboys get the the flack for losing to Arizona. And I'm not saying that 
the Browns are better, uh, not are worse than the, the Cardinals or the the Jets are worse than Brown. Whatever. What I'm saying is anything can happen. The fact that the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Arizona, anything can happen. The fact that the 49ers lost to the Browns, anything can happen. The fact that the Eagles lost to the Jets, anything can happen. Now, let's get into the worst 5-1 and team in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles. What the Jets were able to do against the Philadelphia Eagles was exactly what you want to do going up against Jalen Hurts. Force him to throw the ball. That's it. Make Jalen Hurts throw the ball. This team has been so different, especially on offense, since last year. Whether that being not having Shane Steichen, whether that just be, whether it be, you know, the the Eagles last year were a mirage. Whatever it is. For me, I think it's all of the above. And I said this going into the season where the Eagles last year had it so easy. They had it so easy, but don't get me wrong, they played well. Their offense was a well-oiled machine. They ran the ball very, very well. That opened up the pass for Jalen Hurts. He didn't have to do much. Their defense, 70 sacks. I mean, it's a different defense this year, and we're seeing that. They're not getting, they may have one of the higher pressure rates, but they're not getting the sacks. But this is what I was saying with the Dallas Cowboys. Sacks and those kind of stats really don't mean much. If the pressure is getting to the quarterback and he's making him make mistakes, that you're doing your job. And teams that are going up against these teams know that they have to get ball the you know get rid of the ball early. So that's another thing. You know, people need to realize that a lot goes into this. Each team is not going to go into every week and be able to do exactly what they want to do, exactly what they're great at every week. There's teams that are going to be able to stop what that team does great. You need to find other ways to win. Now, the 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 funniest thing, and I was just watching Undisputed with Keyshawn, Richard Sherman, and Skip Bayless, and I mean, it, it, you see it every week. But what you see, and it pisses me the fuck off. It, I mean, and I, I don't mean to curse that way, but it pisses me the fuck off so much because the Eagles lost to the Jets, okay? The Eagles lost to the Jets. Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions. What we hear after that game is that the Jets' defense is unbelievable. Don't get me wrong, they are. But you know what What we heard after the Jets and the Cowboys played? We heard, it's just the Jets. I, I mean, it pisses me off so much, it's not even funny. No matter what the Cowboys do, it's always, I mean, look who they played. <laughs> I mean, we look at the Chargers. 
The Chargers are a good team. They are a very good team. They're inconsistent, but they're a good team. This is a team that could, you know, if they figure it out, whether it be new coaching or, you know, they just have to become more mentally strong, this could be a really, really good team. They have the talent. It's not that they don't have the talent. They're just not putting it together. But this is a team that could put up 30, 40 points, you know, at the drop of a hat. And the Cowboys held them to 17. They made Justin Herbert look regular. And Dak Prescott looked really good. But all we're going to hear now is, well, it was just the Chargers and their defense isn't good. And you only won by three. But when it comes to the Eagles, it's they they lost to a really, really good defense. But that really, really good defense gave up 255 yards passing to Dak Prescott, 31 of 38 passing, and two touchdowns. No interceptions. That same defense. That had Sauce. That had DJ Reed. They weren't missing anybody. Everybody that you saw on the field against the Eagles was against the Jet uh, was against the Cowboys in week two. And more. They're better players. Sauce Gardner is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He was on the field against the Cowboys. He was not on the field against the Eagles. DJ Reed, the second cornerback on that team, very good cornerback. He was on the field against the Cowboys. He was not on the field against the the Eagles. It's so funny how the media works and how people act towards the Dallas Cowboys and not towards any other team. I mean, that's that's what pisses me off, and that's why it just annoys the crap out of me watching some of these shows on TV. Because I just literally watched Keyshawn Johnson and Richard Sherman say, well, it was just the Chargers. It pisses me off. So, Cowboys... Looked good against the Chargers. You know, Dak Prescott looked good against the Chargers. They need to clean up the the flags. I think going into the, the bye week now is the perfect time. Come out of that, you got the Rams and then you got the Eagles. So they need to figure this out. But the Eagles, as I said, the worst 5-1 team in the league. They're just, there's nothing. There's no sign of last year. With this team. Take the tush push away. The brotherly shove. Whatever you want to call it. And the Eagles. May be even worse. (laughs) Their defense is okay. They have a lot of injuries. But even before the injuries. I didn't think that they were that good. Make Jalen Hurts. Throw the ball. And you'll be all right. That's what it comes down to. And the the Jets did that. And Jalen Hurts. It was funny because Jalen Hurts, 
talking about the the Eagles front line being the best in the league. He lost Lane Johnson in that game. But the fact that he didn't trust his offensive line towards the end of the game. He was leaking out of the pocket before he even should have. He just he didn't trust his offensive line against the Jets. And that's commendable to the Jets. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. We had some injured quarterbacks, you know, going into this week. We already had Anthony Richardson out. Now it comes down that he probably will be out for the season. That's rough for the, the Colts and just rough for the NFL because he was a very promising rookie quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, knee sprain, day-to-day. He's got a game Thursday. That's the only issue, but I do think he plays. Jimmy Garoppolo hurt his back. It looks like it's not as bad as it could have been, so he may miss a game or two. Um, Looks like Aiden O'Connell will be the quarterback if that's the case. Justin Fields dislocated thumb, and he could need surgery. So that is rough for the Bears. And, uh, I mean, it, if it comes down to it, you know, where he's out for the season or, I mean, it may be the last time we see Justin Fields in a Bears uniform. Ryan Tannehill, high ankle sprain, going to miss some time. Interested to see what the Titans do at quarterback. Because in that game, you saw Malik Willis come in, but obviously they drafted Will Levis, so it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens in Tennessee. And Josh Allen hurt his shoulder. He's day-to-day. In terms of injuries, I mean, going back to that Eagles-Jets game, we saw Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball prior to the game, and I don't want to do this whole, like, usual media speculation, oh, my God, he's coming back, but... It's kind of scary what we're seeing from Aaron Rodgers. It really is. Torn Achilles is probably the worst injury that you can have other than career-ending injuries. <clears throat> it's it, it's something so crucial, and if you have that kind of injury, it's rough to come back from, and it takes a, a, a long rehab process. And what... Aaron Rodgers has done in four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is, is nothing short of miraculous. And if we end up seeing number eight for the Jets at some point in this season, like this season, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to say. I wouldn't even know what to say. But. The Jets have to do a little bit better than just staying 500 if they expect to, you know, make some noise if Aaron Rodgers ends up coming back. Uh, In terms of the Lions-Tampa Bay game, I, I, you know, I looked at that game and I was like, all right, this is probably one of the better games because Detroit is Detroit and Detroit's been playing very well this year. They're a sleeper 5-1 team. I have them over the Eagles, better than the Eagles. You know, so I just, you know, I thought this game would be pretty good because Tampa Bay was playing very well at that time too. But Detroit made Tampa Bay come back down to earth and Baker Mayfield come back down to earth and, you know, exactly what we expected them to be. 
and only gave up six points. And, you know, the only issue that I have with Detroit moving forward is, you know, David Montgomery got hurt in this game. Jameer Gibbs is already out. You know, this is this is what Detroit wants to do. Detroit wants to run the ball to open up the play action for Jared Goff. Jared Goff's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he's not great. So he needs the run game to do well. And that's the the seasons that we saw Jared Goff play well was when he had a really, really good run game. Back when he played for St. Louis, now LA. And, you know, and then even last year with Detroit. So that could be a concern moving forward for, for Detroit. But get into the power rankings. Let's get right into it. Power rankings start at number 10. I have the Cincinnati Bengals. They gritted out a win. The way I I look at this team is, and it really comes down to the health of, of Joe Burrow. And from what I saw on Sunday, they, or Joe Burrow, looked as close to 100% than I've seen him all season. So that is huge for Cincinnati. Cincinnati, they, they've done this for the last two or three years. They struggle in the beginning because Joe Burrow gets hurt. And and I said this in my off season in my off season shows when I was talking about Cincinnati. I predicted them to start slow because Joe Burrow was missing another training camp. And they started slow and now you're starting to see the pickup and with the Bengals, you know, they're in a division right now that it's up for grabs. It really is up for grabs because I think the Ravens are good, but I think they're just not that next step up. They're not going to be able to get to that next point. I think Cincinnati can because of Joe Burrow, but I I like Cincinnati now at number 10. Number nine, I have as the Los Angeles Rams. They get Cooper Cup back and Cooper Cup looks like he's never missed a game. Back-to-back 100-yard games. He's been lighting it up. Puka Nakua as a number two, you know, is huge for Matthew Stafford, especially just the the confidence in Puka leading up to the arrival of Cooper Cup was huge. And you know what? I even I could even say that Cooper Cup missing the games that he did were huge for Matthew Stafford because he was able to to gain a repertoire with Puka Nakua. So now it's like, all right, you know, when you were going up against the Rams, you were like, just watch Cooper Cup and you're good. Now having that second fiddle, that second guy that you have to at least keep an eye on, that opens up Cooper Cup. Number eight, I have Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm a little worried about the injury to to Trevor Lawrence. Knee sprain, hopefully it's just that. But Jacksonville put up 37 against the, the the Colts. I know it is the Colts, but it's still a division rival. So I liked what I saw from Jacksonville. Buffalo at number seven. Buffalo, it's you know it's tough to say because Buffalo, their defense is starting to get decimated with injuries, and if the offense doesn't play to what we expect Josh Allen and that offense to play at. It's going to be hard 
for the Bills moving forward. Like, they need to light up the scoreboard every week now. Number six I have is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys showed me a lot this week. This was a game that easily, for a bad team, could have gone so bad. What they showed me against the Chargers, they showed that they could be resilient. They also showed that they can really buckle down when they need a win. And that's what the Cowboys did. That's what Dak Prescott did. Number five, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. And the only reason why I have the Philadelphia Eagles over the Cowboys is because they're 5-1. and one. But they are the worst 5-1 and one team in this league. So I have them at five. Four, I have as the Detroit Lions. Detroit just keeps moving up and moving up and moving up and moving up. I like what I'm seeing out of their offense. Their defense is playing well. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. The injuries to Detroit's secondary could be an issue moving forward, but their offense, you know, and also their running back room. You know, if their running back room is hurt and they're having trouble running the ball, it's going to be interesting to see what we see from Detroit moving forward as well. Number three we have as the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, their offense is unstoppable, but they are giving up points on defense, and that's what worries me. They can get to the quarterback, but if they play up against a an offensive line that's good, what are we going to see from this defense? You know, they've given up a lot of points. And the fact that you gave up 21 points to the, the winless Carolina Panthers, that worries me in terms of this Dolphins team. Because, yeah, they can score at will. But God forbid an injury happens. And they're not able to, to score at will. What happens with this defense? What happens with this team, really? Number two I have is the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, I, I mean, listen, whenever we talk about the Chiefs, it's always Patrick Mahomes, it's always Travis Kelsey. But we have to start talking about this defense. This defense is unbelievable. Chris Jones coming back like he's never missed a game, and it's it's unbelievable what we're seeing from this defense. And that is the scariest thing when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs because no matter what, no matter what injuries or who's playing at wide receiver or whatever, who's the running back, Patrick Mahomes knows how to put up points. But now they don't give up points. That is the scariest thing when it comes to this Kansas City Chiefs team. And then number one, I have the San Francisco 49ers. Now, it kind of reset itself because the 49ers lost. But I still think they're the team that we expect. So I, I want to see moving forward, you know, San Francisco, you know, if they let this be a thing, they're going to drop below the Chiefs. But it, uh, everybody reset themselves. Everybody's got a loss. Nobody's got no wins, uh, no losses. Undefeated is no more. 1972 Dolphins rejoice and that is the power rankings for week six two minute warning Thursday night football Broncos Chiefs Chiefs win this one 19 to 8 Chiefs defense is starting to outplay their offense and it's scary Sunday we had another London game Ravens Titans Ravens win this one 24 16 Lamar Jackson needs to be a little bit more consistent 
and the Ravens can make some noise. Commanders, Falcons, Commanders win this one 24-16 after giving up 40 to the Bears. Commanders, you know, other than the offensive line issues, um, their defense looked really good. And the Falcons have a Desmond Ritter issue. 49ers, Browns, Browns win this one 19-17 on a last, last second field goal. Browns defense uh, is absolutely disgusting. And Brock Purdy is regular. Saints, Texans, Texans win this one 20-13. C.J. Stroud is one of the better rookies that we've seen in a while. It really, He really is. It's unbelievable. Panthers, Dolphins, Dolphins win this one 42-21. The fact that the Panthers scored 21 points worries me for Miami. But uh, their offense is unstoppable. Seahawks, Bengals, Bengals win this one 17-13. The Bengals gritted this one out, and it's promising for this team moving forward. The Colts, the Jaguars, Jaguars win this one 37-20. They got into the end zone often, and that is uh, promising as well, but the concern is with Trevor Lawrence. The Bears, the Vikings, the Vikings win this one 19-13. The Vikings are just very inconsistent, and not having uh, Justin Jefferson now is uh, concerning. Patriots, Raiders, Raiders win this one 21-17. Patriots are bad. Raiders are okay, not great. Uh, Bucks, Lions, Lions win this one 20-6. Lions keep showing that they're one of the better teams in the league. That's really all that it comes down to. The Cardinals, the Rams, the Rams win this one 26-9. Cooper Cup is back. Back-to-back to back to uh, back 100-yard games. It's huge. The Eagles, the Jets, the Jets pull this one out 20-14. Finally, they beat the Eagles. And, and this is the first win in their team history against the Eagles. Uh, the Jets defense, once again, carried the team. Sunday Night Football, Bills win this one 14-9. Injuries on defense wasn't the problem. The offense was. And then Monday Night Football, Dak carried the Cowboys to a win over the Chargers 20-17. to And really, that will do it for today's show. I'll be back Friday to give you the picks and the betting trends. And I'll have uh, referee trends as well going into the games for week seven. That will do it. I'm Jerry B. Breezy. B. Breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.